Good afternoon and welcome to the Wednesday edition of the Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Knute. Coming up on today's show, Glendalee Allen-Wasser will talk about the five-year anniversary for CEDA, the Comprehensive Economic and Trade Agreement between Canada and the European Union. And coming up first in today's country comment, cereal specialist Ann Kirk will join us to give an update on harvest and the impact of the recent rain. The latest farm news and market numbers all coming up over the next 60 minutes. The time now is 12 o'clock. Here's a look at our local news. Good afternoon, you're listening to the Manitoba Farm Journal. Joining us now is the province's cereal specialist, Ann Kirk, to talk about harvest progress. We're estimating about 40% across the province, which um, normally by this time of year, or the average, would be 71% complete. So we are, uh, you know, a couple weeks behind the five-year average. Yeah, I guess... um any concerns, you know, as we get later into the season here and, you know, we're still so far behind? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, people that have, um, you know, crops that are more sensitive to moisture, uh, you know, such as uh, spring cereals, uh, sitting out in the field would definitely be concerned uh, because of the moisture that we've received, especially if uh, crops are sitting in sloths. So there'd definitely be some concerns about uh, spreading and getting those crops off in a timely matter. Uh, you know, for other crops like um, canola or flax or even some of the later seeded crops, I think there is some concern, um, you know, especially for the corn or soybeans about getting them off before, before frost or, you know, the maturity, um, those crops becoming mature before we have a killing frost. Right. Um, wanted to talk a little bit about uh, spring cereals. Um, how's the uh, wheat harvest been going? Yeah, it's been going good, and we're estimating about 65% across the province. So in the northwest and central region, we're, you know, very close to completion. So central, we're estimating about 80% of spring wheat uh, has been harvested. So in general, uh, yields are looking good. Uh, The average yields reported are about 60 to 70 bushels per acre uh, with usually uh, good quality uh, with pretty good protein. So protein, good protein and, um, you know, fairly good yields. What about uh, for oats? Yeah, so oats are a little bit behind, or uh, they're about 65% completed uh, across the province as well. Uh, mostly in the southwest region, 75% are completed. In central, it's just about 65%. Uh, so oat yield um, are slightly below expectations. So the general um, average yield is about 120 to 130 bushels per acre uh, with good test weights. So, um, you know, people will be anxious to get those remaining oats off as well. And for barley? Yeah, for barley, um, about 75% of the barley has been harvested. So in uh, the southwest, northwest, central, and eastern region, we're close to completion. Uh, the interlake is lagging behind in all areas because um, because seeding was so late in that area. Uh, I don't have a yield estimate for, um, uh, for barley, but yeah, we are seeing a good proportion of that crop being taken off. Right. And uh, how about the uh, the corn crop? You know, what stage is that at now? Yeah, so we are starting to see corn um, reach maturity. So there is some earlier planted corn um, in the central region near Morden that have reached physiological maturity, so that black layer in the kernel. Uh, we are seeing corn development uh, reaching the dense stage with the milk line about one-third to halfway down the kernel, depending on, you know, the hybrid and when it was planted. planted. Uh, and we are seeing some silage cutting starting in the eastern region. Wanted to just talk a little bit more about, um, you know, all this rain we got here this week. I guess it was, um, 
kind of variable in terms of, of what regions it hit, but um, saw a combine going near Winkler yesterday. But um, just talk about the impact, you know, when, when we get, you know, two, three inches of rain at this time of year, what's, what that'll do? Yeah, it's uh, definitely not welcome that uh, two to three inches of rain. And yeah, I'd heard reports of even higher levels of rain. Uh, so it's going to be, it's tough to get machinery in the field. Um, the fields are going to be very soft. And just at this time of year, the drying days aren't, we don't have as much drying potential because the sun isn't as warm. Um, we had a nice windy day yesterday, so that will help a bit with drying. But, um, you know, I think fields are still fairly wet. And then, um, so getting in the fields is an issue and then also getting the crop off. So for some crops, like if you do have a cereal crop that has a lot of straw, um, it's going to take a bit of time to uh, get that straw and green dried down to a point where you can actually combine it. That was Ann Kirk, a cereal specialist with Manitoba Agriculture. A look at what's happening in the markets this afternoon is coming up. Good afternoon. I'm Corey Canute. AGT Foods and Ingredients is partnering with Equinum, an Israeli-based company that's very strong in breeding and genetics. AGT President and CEO Murad Al-Khatib says they're going to be working with them on commercializing new yellow pea varieties that have been tested and are well-suited for production in Saskatchewan, Manitoba, Alberta, North Dakota, and Montana. We've been working now. This is the, the third season on trialing the variety. So, you know, the the trials at different, uh, different uh, pilot trials that we've done, you know, the yield looks good. The characteristics are good. There's good disease, disease packages. And, you know, the protein levels are dramatically higher in these varieties than what we're seeing in the mainstream varieties today. He says they plan to offer contracting opportunities for their new yellow pea varieties in 2023 and are hoping to offer protein premiums as well. And the Manitoba Crop Alliance is now accepting nominations from farmer members to serve as delegates on its four crop committees, those being corn, wheat and barley, sunflower and flax. MCA Chair Robert Misko talked about the benefits of becoming a delegate. To get a lot more of a view of what's going on in the industry. And it gives you a much more rounded view of agriculture. It's not, you're not just looking at it necessarily from one point of view. You, you get to see sort of some of the other issues through the value chain, whether, you know, in regards to freighting, the, you know, the elevator companies, pricing. It's not perfect, but you get a lot more information than if you're just sitting on the side. So I, I think it, it helps out. It, it gives you insight into some of the things that are going on. The deadline for nominations is October 30th. For more information, go to mbcropalliance.ca. That was a look at today's farm news. I'm Corey Canute. Good afternoon and welcome to the Prairie Ag Wire for Wednesday, September 21st. I'm Corey Canute. Coming up today, Glenda Lee Allen Vossler talks about the five-year anniversary of the comprehensive economic and trade agreements between Canada and the European Union. Today marks the five-year anniversary for CETA, the comprehensive economic and trade agreement between Canada and the European Union. Glenda Lee Allen Vossler caught up to the Executive Vice President of the Canadian Cattle Association, Dennis Laycraft, to chat about how the agreement has been working for the beef industry. Dennis, the Canadian Cattle Association is marking the five years that we've been involved with ACETA, the Comprehensive Economic and Trade Agreement between Canada and the European Union. But you say you're you're disappointed and have some resolve about the the five year anniversary. Why is that? There were a number of reasons. We we had hoped that we would see some faster progress on some of the um, the meat inspection issues. 
we um, have one of the most rigorous systems in the world here in in Canada and the U.S. Um, and we use a number of uh, products in our our meat hygiene system that are not approved for use in Europe, and we have a different regulatory system. Uh, we uh, use those products uh, so that we um, have the most effective uh, procedures and extend the you know the shelf life of our product as long as possible. In some cases, you know, we can get up to close to 100 days with our product in the right type of cold storage. So, with that, we're we've been trying to make progress on that, and uh, it's been very slow moving that forward in the EU. We just recently submitted an application for um, PAA, which is peroxyacetic acid. It's it's a no rinse disinfectant that's used around the world. It's used in winemaking, it's used in beer brewing, it's been used for a number of other disinfective uh, uses, and it's, um, you know, considered uh, completely safe. We have to go through a long process wherein the EU not only do they do a, a, a food safety and efficacy review, but then it goes to Parliament, and it becomes a political decision over there whether they approve it or don't approve it and there are a number of countries that just in the eu that just tend to vote against um, anything new like this and to some degree it it is voted in a way that slows down trade into the european union so that's been quite frustrating now these unresolved technical barriers that you've been talking about have prevented CETA from really delivering to its full potential. Just what kind of potential do we see in this market with this agreement? You know, there's close to, you know, 500 million people, and they're one of the largest economies in the world. And recognizing we're also one of the leaders in sustainable beef production, um, you know, we saw the potential for possibly five six hundred million dollars worth of exports into that market um you know there's very strong demand out of asia right now for the product but generally some of the highest per kilo values we get uh are going into the united kingdom or into the eu but it's so hard to get cattle eligible and then back to the interventions that we're using um you know our largest market is canada and then the u.s and then japan and uh, Mexico and Korea, we all they all accept our meat hygiene system based on what's referred to as systems approval. Um, in other words, if we get the full approval from CFI, they accept that as as meeting the requirements under the trade agreements we get. Where with Europe, it's every single product has to go through some level of approval instead of systems approval and. Our, our processors aren't prepared to turn down their food safety systems just to go to Europe. Basically, in a nutshell, is, is the concern we have. And um, if we can get those issues resolved and we can get a more regular flow of cattle that are eligible to go to Europe, we think that market can grow. But right now, it's uh, been frustrating to get um, the level of growth that uh, potentially could be there. 
You talked about a potential export market for us of $600 million. What do we see currently? Where are we at right now, given the barriers we're you dealing know, with? We're probably this year getting between 18 and $20 million. And for some smaller operations, you know, that typically are the ones that are selling into that market. It's It's important business for them. But you know, when you're a $10 billion industry, um, you know, you need to get up into those larger hundreds of millions of dollars before you're going to see it attracting more interest out in the marketplace. So that being said, and given the barriers you're dealing with, where do we go from here? What needs to happen to really, to really see this move forward the way we want it to? Yeah, there, there's a couple of things that, first of all, we've got the, the uh, application in to get uh, um, EA approved. Um, we're, we're confident they've approved it for poultry over there, so we know from a food safety point of view it should get a positive recommendation. And I think the real signal will be, A, if that happens, and then B, when it goes to their parliament, that it doesn't just become a politicized decision. Um, so it should get approved and then that should increase the number of plants that are a, first of all, just willing to even process to go to the European union. So that's a first step. Second is we're working on getting some new certification procedures using a couple of certification groups that are out there. We have verified B plus and where food comes from is a couple of them that certify, for instance, for the Canadian Roundtable for Sustainable Beef for our verified sustainable beef claims. If we can, you know, at the same time get cattle eligible to go to Europe, they don't necessarily have to go to Europe, but if we can get the pool of cattle increase that would be available for processing, then um, that would um, increase also the interest of people to uh, develop programs over there. So it's part technical it's part supply issues that we need to address to make this more successful and then we're also looking at working on a mature animal protocol um europe requires uh animals to uh, be grown without growth enhancing products and certainly our mature animals uh, fit that category quite well and we could also um, increase particularly the younger uh, animals that you know, three, four, five years old, the products on that would uh, compare very favorably to uh, other product that's available in Europe. So those are probably the two things that we think in the short term would make the biggest difference. That's Dennis Laycraft, the Executive Vice President of the Canadian Cattle Association. For Golden West, I'm Glendale Allen Bossler. That's it for the Prairie Eggwire for today. If you have any questions or opinions to share, send them to us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. I'm Corey Canute. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. The Prairie Eggwire will return tomorrow on the Golden West Farm Network. Time now for a look at the farm calendar. The Canadian Wildlife Federation is hosting a webinar entitled Wild Cultivation, Traditional Plant Management Systems of Northwestern North America. You can register on the Canadian Wildlife Federation website. The Roland Pumpkin Fair takes place October 1st. And the annual ASE Career Fair at the University of Manitoba is being held October 4th from 2.30 until 6.30 
at 65 Chancellor Circle in Winnipeg. The event is coordinated by Career Services, the Faculty of Agriculture, Student Organization, and the University of Manitoba Engineering Society. And the Manitoba Forage and Grassland Association is hosting its fifth annual Regenerative Agriculture Conference, November 14th and 15th in Brandon. Continuing with the Manitoba Farm Journal here on this Wednesday afternoon, rain has put a halt to harvest for many farmers. I caught up with Rachel Newman earlier this morning. She farms in the Emerson area. The last few days, we're just shy of three inches. Talk about um, just harvest progress so far. You know, what what have you guys been able to do? Harvest has been progressing slowly. We've got a decent majority of our wheat off and about half of our oats crop off. And unfortunately, now... Our oats that's still out there is sitting in a swap and has got the three inches of rain on it and more rain as it's still continuing to rain today. Yeah, I guess um, talk a little bit about the impact. You know, will that that'll impact the quality then? Or I'm thinking it will. Yes, um, we checked yesterday, and you go to one spot in a swap, and it's not that bad for moisture and then you check and another spot and the straw is just soaking wet right um for the um for the wheat that you were able to take off um how did that do you know in terms of uh yields um the wheat did well we had um two different varieties one did better than the other but overall we're fairly happy with how the wheat crop is coming along. Was most of that uh, straight cut or did you swath that? We swathed about 200 acres worth and then the rest of it was straight. Okay. Um, What about canola? Do you guys grow canola this year? Yes, we do have canola and that is still all out in the field, I will hopefully get to it after the cereals are off. And for that, I guess, is that swathed or straight cut? That is all still standing. Some of it barely standing. A few weeks ago, I think we got um, an inch and a half or more in about two and a half hours. So then it went pretty flat and has unfortunately stayed that way. Do you have any uh, later season crops, uh, soybeans or? Yes, we have soybeans. And usually by this time of the year, you're just waiting on soybeans. But now they're changing color and starting to drop leaves. And there's still a lot of harvest to do before we get to them. Right. Um, Any concerns, you know, with some of these colder temperatures that we're going to be seeing here, you know, or the crops past that stage? I think. There is some concern. The soybeans should be a little farther along maturity rise. I think now if they would get a frost, you would see some damage to the seed. That was Emerson area farmer Rachel Newman. Reporter Kenton Dick chatted with Ron Vermette, who farms near St. Pierre. It's gone fairly well. We had uh, an excellent run uh, starting from, I'd say, beginning of September till uh, just uh, last week there, till Thursday when we got uh, some rain. 
what percentage do you think you guys are done and what's left? So out here, uh, it varies tremendously. As you get closer to the Red River, uh, there's uh, maybe, um, again, I'm guessing because it varies so much, probably anywhere from 60% done. Uh, as you get further away from the Red River, is maybe a little bit more, uh, probably more like 70. So our location uh, in the general area, I'd say they're probably closer to 60 to 70% done. Uh, what's mostly remaining is uh, canola, uh, soybeans, and corn. Right, and corn is corn of sort of a later crop anyways. Uh, how's that looking, the corn? Corn, amazingly, is looking very good. Uh, it was seeded on the late side. I think a lot of people were very concerned if it was going to have enough of a growing season to finish. Uh, so far, touch wood, looks like there isn't any frost in the, for- in the forecast. So I think corn will be, uh, it's looking very well. It handles uh, water very well, and uh, we've had somewhat of a decent growing season. Okay. Now, what have yields looked like so far? You said are between 60 and 80% <clears throat> done. What have, have yields been pretty good? Generally, yields have been uh, fairly good, uh, depending, again, on location. We, you can go maybe 10 miles south of us by Arnod, and they have had huge amounts of rain. Uh, as you come north, uh, we've had a little bit less, but generally I would say the, the yields have been uh, very, very good. On that front, of the different crops that you grow, what's looking the best? We haven't done it yet, but corn looks looks really good. The soybeans look really nice. Uh, canola was was very good also. Right now, we're we're looking at corn, but uh, again, we still have to harvest it. As far as that rain goes, last week was that a damaging rain, or was it just something that slowed you down and, and kind of stopped us in our tracks here? Oh, I'm sure most people did not want to see this rain. They were forecasting only uh, maybe half inch of rain, but around our area, we've, we are varying from anywhere from two and a half to over four inches of rain. So it's going to be a huge problem. What can what are you, what do you what would be kind of ideal for you over the next few weeks as we head kind of later into the harvest time? What are you hoping for? I'm hoping for a day like uh, exactly like today, uh, nice winds and uh, sunshine. We don't need any rain until next year. That was Saint Pierre area farmer Ron Vermette chatting with reporter Kenton Dick. Another look at what's happening in the markets heading into the close is coming up in just a moment. Time now for another look at today's farm news. The Manitoba Crop Alliance is looking for farmer members to serve as delegates on its four crop committees. Chair Robert Misko explains how the nomination process works. Deadline is the end of October. Nomination process is pretty simple. You just phone the office, they'll send you a nomination form. I think you only need five uh, members in good standing to sign. Send it back in, pretty much you're nominated. Elections are held every two years. For more information, go to mbcropalliance.ca. 
And Pulse Growers will have another contracting opportunity for yellow peas in 2023. AGT Foods and Ingredients is partnering with Equinum on commercializing new yellow pea varieties for the prairies. AGT President and CEO Murad Al-Khatib says they're pleased with the trials to date. The seed multiplication has been done. We've been doing the testing on the varieties. So, you know, again, grower programs will be uh, launched out, uh, you know, this winter so that we can get product uh, planted in the spring. So 23 and 24 will be ramp up years. I think 2025 will be the year where we'll have, you know, uh, we believe to be really strong, you know, production of these uh, these varieties. He says the yield profiles show gains over traditional varieties, adding they're also hoping to offer protein premiums. I'll be back after this to wrap up today's program. We've come to the end of another Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. Today's closing numbers with more in-depth commentary on what's happening in the markets is coming up at 10 to 2 on the Markets Farm Program. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. Hope you can meet us back here tomorrow starting at 12 noon.